Scam Life, the program side. A weekly podcast for summer camp professionals. Hosted by Kurt Jackson and Chris Callow. Now it's time for another entertaining episode. Exploring the fantastical world of summer camp programming. All right. Welcome to... Scamp Live, the programming side podcast. I'm Kurt, and with me as always, nope, actually, not. Chris is not here. He's not here. Uh, okay, so if you've listened to the past couple episodes, you'll know that Chris got a new job uh, as executive director at a camp in Indiana, and apparently, uh, they do not have very good internet. And not only that, but he does not have internet at his house yet. They are still waiting on that. So he's unable to join us this time, or join me this time. Uh, so I am flying solo, which is not bad. I mean, you're getting the better half of this duo. Right, Chris? Right. Yep, see? And uh, so I thought for this episode, we'll do something a little different, and I'm going to tell you some stories. That's right, boys and girls, it is story time. And <laughs> um, I remember, I don't know why I just thought of this, but I remember in third grade um, at day camp, I learned this I don't know what you would call it, uh, story, poem, whatever. And I never forgot it. And so I have set in front of many a camper and taught some of them this. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Why not? All right. It goes like this. Ladies and gentlemen, horses and cows, cross-eyed mosquitoes and bull-legged fleas. I come before you to stand behind you to tell you something I know nothing about. Thursday, which is Good Friday, we will have a women's meeting for men only. Admissions free, pay at the door, bring a chair, sit on the floor. One bright morning in the middle of the night, two dead boys got up to fight. Back to back, they faced each other, drew their swords, and shot one another. A deaf policeman heard the noise, came and shot those two dead boys. If you'd like to know more, ask a blind man in the corner. He saw it all. Yeah, I don't know why that has stuck in my head, and yet I can't remember my best friend's phone number. Anyways, I want to start off with telling you a story of the first year of being a camp counselor. And I was working at this camp. It was an outdoor education program, so we would have schools come up with their sixth graders for a week of overnight camp. I was so nervous about meeting my group of campers each week, right? Butterflies in my stomach and thought, nobody, nobody's going to like me. They're, they're, they're going to look at the other counselors and go, oh, I wish I would have had them. Because we had a cast of characters. There were the females and there were the males. And on the male side, I mean, we had this guy who was a cowboy like he would wear his cowboy hat and i mean he just personified this cowboy he was so cool the kids were really dug it uh and then we had this one guy who would always wear this leather jacket 
And he wasn't like Fonzie cool, but he had swagger. He had charisma. Again, kids are going to love him. We had the, the athletes who was really good at anything that was athletic. I think it was main sport was soccer. Uh, but he was just an all around, I don't know, athletic guy. Like, I don't, all these guys had something, right? We had a few other male counselors, but they all had something. And I was just some dude. I was just some guy, nothing special about me. And I thought, oh man, nobody, nobody is going to want to be in my cabin. So the first group of kids come up and I had a, you know, I had a rough first week. It wasn't until I realized, oh, I can't just be their friend and let them do whatever they want to do. I need to be the adult in this situation and I need to enforce rules. Otherwise they're going to walk all over me. So after that first week, it got better, and I learned to be a decent camp counselor. Uh, about my third or fourth week, we had this school come up, and I had my group of sixth graders. And there was this one kid, Alex, who all the kids looked up to, right? He was the leader, I guess you could say. And he was really cool, but he was humble. He, w- he was like friends with all the kids, Like, everybody loved Alex. Anyways, Alex, for some reason, looked up to me. And he thought I was the the coolest cat on the planet. Um, No, probably not. But he thought I was really, I was neat, right? And so we had this great week, probably the best week of being a camp counselor I ever had. Well, the week was ending. Uh, We said goodbye. And I figured I'll never see these kids again. About, I think it was three or four weeks after that, I had a few days off and I decided, I lived in Southern California, so going to Disneyland was kind of a normal occurrence. And I said, hey, I'm going to go to Disneyland and I'm going to call up a couple of friends. These friends were not working at the camp. They were old friends, never had worked at a camp or with kids. And so there was the three of us were going and we're heading over to the area where you buy your tickets. And all of a sudden, you hear this, Kurt, Kurt. And my friend's like, is somebody yelling your name? And I was like, no, nobody's yelling my name. That'd be ridiculous, right? Sure enough, there is this kid running full tilt towards me with his dad in tow. And he comes up, gives me the biggest hug. Well, it was Alex. So cool, right? So cool to see him out in the wild, I guess you could say. Dad shook my hand, said, Alex will not stop talking about camp and you. And I just want to thank you so much for, you know, being such a huge influence and making his week so memorable. So then dad kind of pulls Alex away and they go off on their own. And uh, we, the three of us just kind of stood there for a second. And my friend goes, whoa, that was so cool. And it was, it was so cool. I am sure that many of you have maybe had similar experiences. It's funny because one of the things that I always think about, I was like, oh, we have, you know, we're camp counselors to these kids, or maybe your teacher or what have you. I guess teachers a little bit differently because those kids can come back. They know where you're going to be. But as a camp counselor, you're maybe at a camp for 
uh, a year or two or a summer or two, and then maybe you go on to do something else, or you stay in the industry and you go to a different camp. And you wonder, have, have I had an impact on any of these kids? Like, do they remember me? I wonder if they remember me, you know? And that was an example of, you know, the impression and the effect we have on some kids. Uh, and I would, man, it would be so great to just kind of see where uh, from years past have gone on to and if they remember me, if I had any effect on their lives. Uh, anyways, it's always in the back of my mind. Okay, now I want to tell you someone else's story. And this one comes from J.B. Seavers. And J.B. writes, You never know who will impact your life. I was eight at overnight camp for the first time, loving every minute of it, so much so that I hid my clothes when it was time to board the bus to go home. The director called my mom and asked if I could stay. I ended up staying for eight magical weeks. Well, the season ended and I had to go home. My mom and a friend's mom met us at the bus. My friend came running off, jumped into her mom's arms, and cried, I'm so glad to be home. Me, on the other hand, came off crying. My mom's friend said, look, she's so happy to be home. Mom said, I think she is already missing camp. Fast forward many, many years of being a camper, lifeguard, aquatics director. I became a director of an overnight and day camp. I stopped by my parents' house to talk about my new position. So excited, can't believe it is happening. My mom pulls out an old envelope with an eight-cent stamp on it and says, Tigger, who was the camp director when I went to camp, sent this to me after your first summer and told me to hold on to it until the time was right. And mom had to decide when that time was. Anyway, so she gave it to me. I sat there holding the envelope, remembering so many wonderful things that happened at camp and the sadness that Tigger had passed away before I could share that I was going to be a camp director. Finally, I opened the letter. I couldn't believe what she wrote all those years ago. Here's a sentence that blew me away. Once in a while, you know that someone at camp is meant to be there, and I know that you are that one. I know that one day you'll become a camp director. Well, I sat there with tears running down my face. Oh, Tigger, how did you know all those years ago? I loved camp, but never saw it as my end. She saw past the shy, quiet girl to the one that tried new things, even when scared, tried to help her bunkmates, and found that even being quiet, you can make a difference. I never had the chance to tell her that I received her letter all those years later, but every summer I pull out that yellowed letter, rereading it, and look at my campers and ask myself and my staff, tell me something you see in the future for your campers. You never know. You just might hit it on the head and without ever knowing it, make a huge difference in someone's life. Remember, camp is a place you can be yourself not worry about what everyone else is doing and try something new. You get to be your true self at camp. 
learn and grow from that experience. It is truly magical. Okay, next story. Uh, so this is one from my days working at a boys and girls overnight camp, boys and girls club overnight camp. And it was in Southern California, and we had campers that would come from the Los Angeles area. And basically, <laughs> uh, I was a program director at the time, and I remember my director, we, we had gone through Camp America to hire international staff. And at the time, I'm not sure if they still do this, but at the time, if you hired over a certain amount of staff, you got a free trip to one of their hiring fairs in another country. And so my director at the time comes up to me and says, hey, look, you know, Camp America is offering a free trip with a couple of nights accommodation to go to one of their hiring fairs. I don't want to go. Do you want to go? Your choices are London or Prague. And I said, absolutely. Are you kidding me? And uh, so I decided that I wanted to go to London. And here's the thing. I didn't know what to expect. I'd never been to a international hiring fair. Uh, I didn't know what to bring. We were a boys and girls club, right? So we didn't have marketing materials. The kids that came to our camp came from the clubs. And the clubs did their own kind of marketing to get the kids. And then they would bring them up. So we didn't have brochures. We didn't have a video or anything like that. Uh, so my director gives me a stack of three by five photos that we had taken around camp. And uh, looking back, I probably should have created some sort of display. But, you know, I was traveling. I didn't know how to, you know, how am I going to carry all this stuff? And, and am I going to drag it around Europe with me? Because I was planning on extending my trip for a couple of weeks. Anyways, got to London a week early did some sightseeing, and when the time came for the job fair, I checked into this swanky hotel. Uh, I had been staying at youth hostels up until then, so it was really nice. And I got my pack of photos ready. So the next morning, I walk into this huge room. It's this uh, convention center, and it was this huge room with all these tables set up. I was given a little packet of info with a map that showed me where my table was. It was incredible. I was like in awe of all the stuff, all the gear, all the marketing materials, everything that all these other camps had brought, right? Huge display boards, TVs um, with, at the time, professionally made VHS tapes, right? This was in the early 90s. And they had multiple staff to run their tables. And so I was, I was not feeling this. I felt overwhelmed. I was embarrassed because I didn't have any of this stuff. My camp was smaller. It was only 23, 23 acres, had 12 cabins, a pool, dining hall, some high ropes elements. I couldn't compete with these huge camps that had all these waterfront activities and amazing facilities. Anyways, I, I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to get anybody. So my stomach was just in knots and I was so embarrassed. So the doors open, I, I put out on the table, I put out my little three by five pictures 
uh, and the doors open and there is a bunch of college age job seekers, right? And you can hear their excitements. And uh, so they come in and, and the camp recruiters, I guess you call us, we were all excited as well. I mean, they were, I was just nervous and I, yeah, I didn't know what was going to happen. But anyway, so they come into this huge conference room, you know, you go in there and you're just kind of a, you're, you're drawn to all the colorful displays and the, the cool videos. And I was there alone, my bottle of water, my pictures, just sitting on the chair thinking, well, you know, I guess I'll just, uh, maybe walk around and look at the other camps. Maybe I'll find myself, uh, applying in some of these camps. They looked amazing. So, uh, one person came up to me and they came over to the table and they said, Hey, can you tell me about this camp? And I gave them a quick one minute elevator pitch basically. And he continued to look at pictures and ask a few questions. And then he decided he wanted to work, work at my camp. And I was like, what? Well, before I was finished interviewing him, I had a line of applicants waiting to interview with me, like a line, nobody, no other camp was getting a line. Right. And I was thinking, what is going on? So after speed interviewing four or five people, I finally asked someone, I was like, why do you want to work for my camp rather than all these other camps? Right. And the girl that was sitting in front of me, she said, well, because you're in Southern California. And there it was. Right. Turns out I was only one of two camps from California and the other camp was in central California. You know, everybody wanted to be near LA and Mickey Mouse, Venice Beach, all that stuff. Uh, everything they've seen on TV. So all of a sudden I was excited and I was ready to find some new staff. Uh, over the course of that weekend, um, I believe I interviewed just over 150 applicants. I mean, I was exhausted. And I remember my director, he was like, okay, you know, I want you to hire maybe five staff. Well, I ended up hiring 12. Uh, and no, no, it wasn't five. It was 10. He was like, hire 10, no more. That's what it was. And I went two over and I was like, ah, I hope I don't get, you know, in trouble. Um, but that means I turned away around 140 applicants, right? Just, you have to say no, because if you don't say no right then, then they're like, well, do I look at these other camps? You have to tell them, I'm sorry, you're not a good fit or we don't have a position for you so that they can go to another camp and get a job. Um, anyways, so it was an exciting trip. I stayed another week after that and uh, had a lot of, lot of fun with a few of the other directors that showed me around Europe. Um, so if you get the chance to do something like that, to go to uh, an international recruiting fair, I highly recommend it. Okay, here's a great story from Tori Thelen. Uh, she writes, I think one of my favorite and inspirational camp experiences was from our circus-themed camp. We had a young girl going into first grade, and it was her first time at camp. She has a condition called selective mutism, which means that she has very severe social anxiety, which causes her to withdraw from new social experiences and not connect or participate or even communicate in any new situation. 
Her mom is really helpful in alerting us ahead of time and providing some very good strategies to work with her. So we felt going into camp that we were as prepared as possible. Now on the first day, being that it was circus camp, we had invited some local semi-professional clowns to come and teach some skills. And in the end, they put on a small show for us. Now first they talked about the clown code of not sharing inside secrets or breaking character around non-clowns. However, since we were clowns in training, they made an exception. As they introduced themselves, we found out that one of the clowns was normally a silent clown, no speaking. When they did their show, the silent clown did her part in silence. It was especially impactful for our special camper and those working with her. It even impacted our camp clowns with the realization that they were able to show everyone that it's not necessary to use words in order to communicate and be understood. It helped our camper become more comfortable, and she had a great time at camp for her first time. She has returned every year since then, and last summer she even reached out to give me a hug at the end of camp, which was particularly special since I only have passing contact with her once a year at camp, but it showed that she has gained confidence through her camp experience. I love to share this experience as an example of being able to have an inclusive program without the campers realizing it. Okay, here's one that uh, makes me laugh every time I read it. All right, this one's from uh, April Keegan. She writes, I was camp manager, and one day I decided I'd take a break from the office and go join in with the Get to Know You games. This one was called Bunches. A topic would be called out, and you'd have to run around and find people with similar interests or likes. So ice cream was called out as a topic. I ran around and found one other person, a 14-year-old boy whose favorite was peanut butter and chocolate. He said Reese's, but I thought, close enough. When it came to announce our favorite flavor of ice cream, I mixed up Reese's peanut butter cups and Reese's pieces, and I said, our favorite ice cream is Reese's penis. Poor kid took a step to the left and said, can I be strawberry now? Here's another great story from April. So she writes, At our camp, we had an island in the middle of the lake, and each session we would take the campers there in canoes for a hot dog lunch. One day, while we were there, it started to storm. It was just a little bit of rain, but a lot of thunder and lightning. We kept trying to wait the required 30 minutes after a clap of thunder or a bolt of lightning before we left, but every time we would get to around the 20-minute mark, It would start again. Now, this went on for hours. Finally, we got our chance. At 31 minutes, we all jumped in the canoe and paddled back as fast as we could. I was in the last canoe sitting at the stern. Cassie, another counselor, was at the bow, and a camper was in the middle. At about the halfway mark, I said to Cassie, What's up with your hair? She turned and with wide eyes said, What are you talking about? Oh my God, your hair. As our eyes met, we both realized the same thing. Our hair was standing on end and we were in a metal canoe. 
We have never nervously laughed more or paddled faster in our lives. We made it back to camp safely, and I am alive to tell this story. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to end this episode with uh, another, another one of my stories. Uh, so basically, I used to direct a day camp on an island, and every day, campers would check in um, on the, I guess, mainland, I guess you could call it, and we would all take the ferry to the island together. And one of our activities was fishing on the dock with what we called huck fin poles. You know, they're basically those long wooden dowels with fishing line um, and a weight and a hook attached to the end of the dowel. So one day our fishing instructor had two groups of eight to nine-year-olds and he had all the kids in the activity seated around the edges of the dock with their life jackets on, safety first, and their baited hooks of cheese and hot dogs in the water. On this particular day, nobody was getting any bites, but it was a clear day with a nice breeze and the campers were quietly talking to each other. It was very, it was peaceful and relaxing. So the CIT of this group had just brought over another large duffel bag of life jackets uh, for the next group that was coming, right? Which was going to have more campers than the current group. So he unzips the duffel bag to start taking out the vests when all of a sudden one of the campers yells, I got one! Everybody turns and a few of the campers stood up to go see. The boy struggled a bit with the weight of the fish but managed to pull out his catch it was a baby shark. Do, do, doodly do. <laughs> I couldn't resist. But it, no, it really was this baby shark, right? It was a small shark. Uh, small leopard shark that was maybe two feet long, right? It's flopping around the deck. All the campers start freaking out. And the few that were on their feet jump back. And one of them tripped over the open duffel bag, sending it into the water as he went in with it. The camper quickly got out of the water, but the current took the bag away while life jackets poured out into the bay. Then soon the bag and a line of safety vests just disappeared out of sight. A couple of times each week, groups would hike around the islands. That summer, at least once a week, you would hear a camper or counselor shout out, there's one. Sure enough, there would be a lone life jacket caught on a rock or washed up on the shore. Sometimes we could recover it and other times it was too far away or the ground was too rocky to retrieve it. So that was, that was a interesting fishing session. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me. For this storytelling episode, I mean, I've got a bunch more stories uh, from other campers and stories that are my own, but it is time to end this episode. Hopefully next week, Chris will be back and I won't be floundering here all by myself. We are going to be presenting at the ACA conference next month, so... If you're there and you listen to podcast, come up and say hi. Uh, let us know what episode was your favorite. 
Oh, and before I go, I want to shout out to Angela, uh, who texted us on our Google Voice line and is sad that she can't be at the ACA conference. Loved hearing how you really enjoy our podcast. Chris and I, I mean, it just made our day to get your text. So thank you so much, Angela. And from around the campfire, this is Kurt. (laughs) See ya.